This is Outspoken, the podcast that's not afraid to say exactly what you're thinking. Our names are Amy, Kate and Sophie Torber. We're identical triplets, but we often don't have identical opinions. So sometimes things can get heated. Outspoken covers all things reality TV, influencers, entertainment and issues facing women. That is so fetch. Thank you. Welcome back to Outspoken. It's so great to be joining you guys on a Tuesday. It does feel a little bit weird not having a Monday show, but I think it's worked out perfectly because there has been a lot of drama yesterday that we are going to recap on. Yeah, and we really wanted to switch to having a Tuesday show as opposed to the Monday show because we do work full time. So it's just easier for us to juggle these days. And we also feel like it gives us more of a chance to recap and really go into what's happened over the weekend and on Monday. And it seemed like a very good decision this week because there was so much drama going down on Monday and I'm just exhausted from it all. So on Monday, Sophie Keisha posted a series of Instagram stories regarding our podcast. Now, the comments came following our Friday show where we discussed how her new makeup brand, Asuru, had been caught up in a health and safety breach. Now, just to refresh your memory, Sophie posted a couple of Instagram stories where she was wiping her nose whilst quality testing the lipsticks. So she seemed to take issue with the fact that we had blocked her on Instagram. And this was after she tagged us in a series of comments and also had messaged us privately on Instagram in multiple accounts. Now, she was demanding to speak to us on the phone. And we initially replied to a comment on Azuru's Instagram account confirming we had shared their full apology as a right of reply. Now, the reason we chose to block Sophie and cease any further communication was she sent us what we deemed as an intimidating message. She wrote, Hi team, just wondering if I can grab a contact number for your company. I'd love to have a chat to talk over a few of my concerns if possible. I'd much prefer to do this directly rather than escalating it further. Thanks, Sophie. Now, for some background information, information. The word escalate has legal connotations. And for those who don't know, we have been involved in a high profile legal case. And often people with a disproportionate amount of power like to throw around baseless legal threats. And the advice from my lawyer has always been ignore these messages. And this is what we chose to do. Now, interestingly, Sophie didn't choose to share a screenshot of this DM. She chose to include the DM where she didn't include the line about escalating the situation. And I thought this was rather misleading to her followers. Now, personally, we don't feel comfortable to hand out our phone number, particularly because Sophie Keisha is known for sharing people's private and personal details to her followers on her story and driving negative attention their way. And at the end of the day, we are journalists reporting on stories. Every time there's an entertainment story on Kim Kardashian, they don't ring her up and ask her for a reply. And the reason that we didn't ask her for a reply was because she'd already shared one on her business page. And when someone also looks set to make legal threats towards you, from my personal experience, it's best to keep that communication in a written form as it is illegal to record phone calls. And also you really need things in black and white. Otherwise, lines get blurred. And let's be honest, there have been so many stories floating around about influencers who send these veiled threats to people to intimidate them, to try and make them stop talking about them. Now, I'm not necessarily saying this is what Sophie is doing, but we're not going to stand here and have people send us baseless threats. And also, we have our email address in our bio and on our Outspoken website, so there are other means to reach us other than trying to intimidate us in a situation on the phone. 
We also wanted to use this segment to touch on Sophie's claims that we have spoken about her on every episode. So just to rebut that claim, we have gone through the archives and we've only done six segments on Sophie Keisha across 250 of our episodes. So the segments have been about her business's public apology, her fleeing to Perth to be involved in a businesswoman's event after Melbourne went into lockdown, her memoir, whether she's been engaged and allegedly flouting lockdown rules. So nothing about her children. Now, Kate, you have forgotten one segment i believe a couple of weeks ago we did touch on the fact that her partner maddie was recording her farts and we had a bit of a chuckle so that also (laughs) was an inclusion and let's put this in perspective that is 2.5 percent of our podcast that we Mm. have used that we have spoken about her so it's well amy your math isn't great because it's not even 2.5 percent because they've been short segments on her they haven't been the whole episode and i really think it's also important to point out that sophie has never messaged us about commentary in our private facebook group the comment came after we spoke about the business breach now I just find it really awkward that she's trying to drag her children into this narrative because we have never commented on her children, only on her behavior. And I think it's important to note that, yes, there has been an influx of conversations in our Facebook group about Sophie due to her appearance on Survivor. Now, when I went through all the topics, there was a topic of conversation around Sophie filming her son's reaction to her getting kicked off Survivor. And a lot of people were talking about how they didn't think it was appropriate to share her son upset on her Instagram story. And I think this is the difficulty with mummy blogging and family channels, because unfortunately, when you do share your child's private information on social media for your own personal gain, it is going to result in people commenting on your parenting style. Now, Sophie continued her post by saying that she would never allow this type of behavior that goes on in our group to exist on any of her business platforms. And I do find this quite interesting because she then followed this up by sharing a private message between her and her ex-husband where he called us the C word. Now on this screenshot, she added a GIF that said, you right. So it was as though she was saying she agreed with the sentiment shared by her ex-husband. Sophie then continued to say that we need to put our big girl pants on and have an adult conversation with her. Now, this constant need to tell us to grow up and put our big girl pants on is very misogynistic. So later that day, Sophie jumped back on her Insta stories to say she was done with cancel culture. In the three minute chat, she said she had had enough of people trying to hold her accountable for mistakes she makes. Now, I'm sorry, but if you choose to be a public figure, then you will be accountable for mistakes that you make on a large scale. You don't simply get all of the perks of being an influencer without your behavior being held accountable or simply being reported on. I know it's like, can you imagine at your normal nine to five, if someone told you off and you said, no, I don't want to be held accountable for this. This isn't how I feel. I I just want my paycheck and go home and not be held accountable for mistakes that I made. And as an influencer, it does come with a certain level of power. So I think that's all a bit of a cop out to say it. And I just think if influencers were better at acknowledging their mistakes and taking on board that accountability, we wouldn't be discussing this now. She also went on to say that she is a very reasonable person and she'd be happy for us to take this offline. She suggested it was a beautiful opportunity for the four of us to come together and show how women can come together and acknowledge their mistakes. Now, while out of context, that might sound quite lovely. To put it into perspective, she had a caption over this story which said, I can assure you, I think lower currently of your characters than you could ever think of mine, but people deserve chances to do better, to learn and to grow. This is your chance. 
what you do next will show your true nature. Now, I'm sorry, but that totally contradicts with the earlier message of us coming together. And I really can't stand that whenever you critically analyze a woman's behavior or provide constructive criticism, you're told that you're not supporting Mm. women. And I just want to put it out there. You can be a feminist and not blindly support women by saying women must blindly support other women solely based on their gender. This means that we're not allowed to judge fairly and think critically. And it's actually a disservice to women. And can I also say, I am so sick of influencers getting on their Instagram account and accusing people of bullying them when merely we're reporting on an issue that has occurred. And sometimes we're calling out influencer behavior. That is not bullying. Do you know what is bullying? Bullying is when you incite your followers to come over and bully and harass people relentlessly. That is bullying. And and that's what we experienced yesterday. I mean, I was absolutely disgusted by some of Sophia's followers. I had a man go onto my Instagram profile and screenshot a photo that I had made in tribute to my friend who had died from suicide. And I had set up a Beyond Blue game in his honor for the 36s where I used to work. Mm. And he took that and said that I was a bully and I was not allowed to advocate for Beyond Blue. Now that's deeply upsetting to me, as well as being called the C word by many people after Sophie decided to share that's what her ex-husband thought we were. And that's the thing, whilst I don't think Sophie should be held accountable for every single one of her followers' comments, I think that she was definitely inciting people to come over to our page and leave negative comments, leave negative reviews. But then three hours later after she dropped the bomb to then go, oh, no, don't don't go on and leave mean comments like they do. It's like, but that's exactly what you wanted. And, and, the, and, I think- and the reality is we are a podcast that talks about influences. We expect to get some form of criticism and we're open to it. But when someone is misleading their followers about the type of content mm. that we're discussing on our podcast, oh, that's not right. I, I doubt that any of those people listen to the actual episode. And can I point out for any new listeners We have a lot of fun on this show as well. We don't just hold influencers to account. We actually talk about a range of other topics as well. And at the end of the day, Amy and I both work in PR. We are around influencer culture. There are a lot of influencers that we actually quite like Mm. and have fun discussing. And talking about PR, I think this has been a complete PR disaster for Sophie Keisha. She obviously didn't like the commentary around this health and safety breach for her new business. So instead of actually taking the constructive criticism on board, instead she decided to lash out at us for covering the story. And in doing so, she's actually brought more attention to her error. I mean, there were so many people that have messaged us saying, oh, I never knew about your podcast, but I'm really enjoying it. And I love the critical analysis on influencers. And unfortunately, this whole situation about this misbalance in power and influence is familiar to me. As OG listeners will know, my sisters, Amy and Sophie, they had been bullied and intimidated by a mainstream media company before. And what did they do? Well, they stood up for what was right. And we are not going to be silenced by influencers who use their power and following to intimidate us. There is a gross power imbalance going on here in terms of a platform with hundreds of thousands of followers and one with 20,000 followers. And it's just wild to me because influencers have enjoyed a very lucrative job with zero accountability and monitoring. And they are used to not being questioned or held to account. Hence, why these people react so badly. However, the pendulum is now swinging and now the public understands the influencer world and how influential their behavior is, hence their job title. And it is crucial that we continue to question people with influence and power. We can't allow influencers to have a tantrum, throw their toys out of the pram and threaten defamation every time anyone wants to hold them to account. He doesn't deserve you, Audrey. He really doesn't. 
I know. I know. Oh, I know. Are you going to go like that all night? What was that, Audrey? Oh, I know. I know. Well, why is she telling you then? After weeks of speculation, Tammy Hembro has finally revealed the unexpected discovery doctors found during her routine pregnancy scan. Sophie, this news is actually very cute. Yeah, it really was. Now, we have been waiting for this news since back in December. At the time, Tammy revealed that she and fiancé Matt had a little unexpected surprise during their scan. At the time, many followers speculated that the couple were having twins. However, that theory seemed less likely when Tammy uploaded a gender reveal video announcing she was having one baby girl. Now, the other theory that gained a lot of traction was that the baby had extra fingers because it is a genetic condition that runs in the Hembro family. Now, this theory has turned out to be 100% true. In Tammy's vlog, which is now trending on YouTube, the couple bring followers along to the scan where they show a number of 3D images of their unborn child and we see a close-up of the baby's hands and you can clearly see she has 12 fingers, six fingers on each hand. Here's Tammy and Matt reacting to the scan. We're going to tell everyone today the little surprise about our baby. Twins. Everyone thinks it's twins. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not twins. We're not having twins. But it did kind of sound like that. I didn't realize when I told everyone that we like saw something on the scan. But um, probably because like everyone's like, what else could it be really? I think one person in 1,000 responses got it. I don't think anyone got it in Yeah, mind. one person did. 100%. Oh, did they? Someone said that, yeah, someone said what it was. <laughs> We were having a chat about this earlier off mic and you guys said that this was a well-known fact and that we'd actually spoken about Tammy Hembro's extra finger on the podcast. I must have been away that day because this blew my mind. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Has she had it removed? Yeah, she did have it removed. So Tammy, well, both of them. Yeah, she did have them removed. So Tammy's sisters, Amy and Emily, also were born with an extra finger as well as Tammy's brother and mum. And Emily's baby, Gabrielle, also has an extra finger. But Tammy did say it skipped Wolf and Saskia. It was interesting because Tammy said that her baby's extra finger looked a lot more developed in the scan than her and her family members had been. And it was pretty cute because Tammy and Emily showed their little scars where their extra finger used to be. And it seems like it was one of those things growing up that because their sisters all had it, they thought everyone else Mm. had an extra finger that had been removed. Yeah, there were just so many things I really loved about this vlog because firstly, Tammy forgot that she had to drink 500 milliliters of water before the scan. So in the car ride, you see her sculling water from a San Pellegrino bottle. I mean, I love that it was oh my fancy gosh. water. I feel for her because a couple of years ago, I had to have one of those um, ultrasounds, not because I was pregnant for something else. And it is such a painful car ride with a bladder full mm. of water. I just remember being like, can I just go to the toilet? Like, you just have to then laugh, sit and eh? wait. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. And all the bumps you go mm. over. Well, secondly, I really also loved how excited both Matt and Tammy seemed because they were trying to point out which features from the scan were most similar to them. Of course, the fingers. Oh, the six fingers. Yeah, of course, the six <laughs> fingers were similar to Tammy. But apparently the baby also has really long legs and big feet. And the doctor even said that the baby appeared muscly. I don't quite know what that <laughs> means, but apparently that's the wow. Iron Man in the baby. Hmm. The baby also appeared to have Tammy's nose and lips. And I have to say, looking at these 3D scans, you can tell it's going to be an absolutely gorgeous child. 
Now, what I have been loving that is brewing under the surface of all these baby announcements is the beef that's going on between Tammy and Kylie Jenner. So if you cast your mind back, everyone was really excited to hear what Kylie had called her son, and she has called him Wolf. Now, this has sparked a lot of people saying, oh my God, she's copied Tammy because back in the day, these two used to be friends and there was that infamous time when Tammy was apparently stretched out of Kylie Jenner's birthday party. So it seems like Tammy isn't happy about it because when the name, when Kylie's son's name came out, she posted a photo with Wolf and wrote, my Wolf. Now, everyone thought this was a bit of a burn at Kylie, particularly when you had a look at the comments and a lot of her friends were like, the only wolf and all of this. Now, Tammy then went on TikTok and playfully referenced the incident when responding to a fan about a possible name for her third child. So someone wrote, I know you are naming your son Baby Bentley. And she replied, actually liking the name Stormy <laughs> at the moment. Now, her comment has since drawn more than 480 replies and 10.4 thousand likes. It's also funny because eagle-eyed followers have noticed that Tammy wore the same dress to announce her baby news as Kylie did. Gosh, it is going to get interesting when she does actually reveal the child's name. I wonder whether there will be a few more burns along the way. But I'm living for this content. Good on her for having a bit of a clap back. It's pretty funny. Let's be honest. I think she's joking about it. Would you guys be offended if you called your child a, you know, not a unique name like Wolf and then someone you knew copied? I don't Mm. know. It's a bit different because she's in America. I don't know. I just... I feel like... Yeah, but they're both well-known. They've both like, got big platforms. Is it a compliment, though? I feel like if you're not really moving around the same social circles, it doesn't really matter. But I feel like Wolf is becoming quite a common name these days. It is. I mean, it's a trendy name. I mean, the reality is if I called my child, say I call them Olivia, we've all been joking, that's yeah. what we've got to call our kids, well, our kids, I would probably be offended if my best friend went and called her daughter, Olivia, say six months after yeah yes, there's a that's bit of, probably a bit offensive there is a bit of an unwritten rule that you don't copy the name yeah but. i'm so sick of you i'm so i'm sick of this stupid school and you're all pathetic i've built that drama department up from the shit hole that it was when i came here and you've never you've never appreciated me for doing that you've never thanked me you've never said greg thank you for what you've done Aussie Influencer Opinions made a big return to Instagram this week, and I, for one, have been thoroughly enjoying their content. Now, the account discussed boyfriend of Instagram, Jonathan Sowers, lack of engagement on his recent post and his page in general. And I have noticed this Mm. because I think since he stopped dating Shani, it has really plummeted. Mm. Yeah. So the former accountant who was famous for dating Shani Grumman and then dating Madison Woolley shared a post on Sunday promoting Jack Daniels seltzers. Now, under the post in what seems to be a bid to drive up engagement, he immediately commented three times. Now, to paint the picture, Jonathan's initial caption read, nothing better than a day out playing golf with friends and testing out the new Jack Daniels Oz seltzers. I feel like this will be my go-to summer drink from now on. Now, in the comment section, he wrote three separate comments. The first read, honestly, chase the ball around most of the day, though. Now, this wasn't in response to anyone. This was the only comment. He then wrote, drinks made it better. Now, someone has seen this odd behavior and wrote, (laughs) you right there, to which he responded, ha ha, yeah, mate. I have to point out that mate was spelt M and then with an eight. I feel that's very old school. Has he been hacked? Maybe he was tired (sighs) from writing all the three comments. Yeah. And to make matters even worse, there was this zoomed up picture of the seltzer that was like pixelated. And I feel like this has made it very obvious that Madison Woolley 
is no longer taking his Instagram photos <laughs> because there was a little bit of quality control now. And Madison Woolley actually confirmed the news that she is single on her podcast on Thursday. Now, Aussie Influencer Opinions then did a comparison of the amount of comments and engagement Jonathan used to receive when he was dating Shani Grimmond compared to now. Now, when he was dating Shani, he would receive between 5,000 to 1,000 comments on his posts. Now, if you take a look at Social Blade, it shows on average he now receives six comments per post. So it is a dramatic drop. Now, I do wonder whether this number will continue to drop now that he isn't dating Madison Woolley. Yeah, we went together. Was it Assumptions Valor though? Yeah. Oh. So we did one on my channel, and it was really fun. Yeah. That was I quite like a while these. ago, though. I feel like these are fun. Yeah, I feel like we did it like six months ago. Yeah, so it's been a while. I posted on my Instagram... Just before we get into the next topic, we do want to issue a trigger warning. We do discuss issues related to child sexual abuse. Grace Tame has taken aim at the media, who she says have sought out to discredit her. Amy, can you tell us what happened? So last week, news outlets decided to publish a photo of Grace Tame sitting next to a bong. The report followed Tame's passionate speech at the press club and her famous snub of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. So for those who don't know, Grace was a victim of sexual abuse at the hands of a school teacher. She was raped at the age of 15 by her 58-year-old high school teacher. In 2021, she won Australian of the Year after her advocacy was instrumental in overturning a Tasmanian law preventing survivors from speaking publicly about their assault. So Amy, what do we know about the photo in question? So the photo was taken in 2014 and this was when Grace was just 19 years old and the post was originally on her Instagram account but has since been deleted. So Grace first responded to the controversy on the 15th of February with humour. She wrote on Twitter, we were doing a cover of April Sun in Cuba on the oboe. Now, this is poking fun at Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who recently appeared on 60 Minutes playing April Sun on his ukulele. Now, on Saturday, Grace opened up further about an open letter she released on Twitter. She wrote that the letter was for every media outlet who had sought to discredit her by publishing the photo. Grace made some really amazing points in this letter. She said, whilst we must acknowledge the harm that drugs can cause, if we want to have an open and honest discussion about child sex abuse in this country, we must also have an open and honest discussion about trauma and what that can look like. It can be ugly. It can look like drugs, self-harm, skipping school, getting impulsive tattoos and all kinds of other unconscious, self-destructive, maladaptive coping mechanisms. Whilst I do not seek to glorify, sanitize or normalize any of these things, I also do not seek to shame or judge survivors for any of their choices. For anyone who needs to hear this, it's not your fault. She went on to say that they're scared they'll be blamed and chastised for their coping strategies instead of being offered support and treated for the cause of their suffering. She did continue and she said publicly shaming survivors for their past is as low as you can possibly go. And I 100% agree. Now, what do you guys think about the accusations? Do you think this was actually part of a smear campaign against Grace Tame? Well, the timing of it makes it seem like it definitely is. I think it's absolutely disgusting that any media sites published this photo. It is clearly a part of a smear campaign to discredit what Grace is saying in light of everything that she has said recently. 
about the Liberal government. And I think we need to point out there has been no confirmation of who released the photo, but I think we can use our imagination. And the reporting on the bong photo had some telltale characteristics of a smear campaign. So those carrying out a smear campaign first like to find someone's weak spot or they create one. And in this instance, the worst thing they could find about Grace was an eight-year-old photo of her next to a bong. That really says a lot, doesn't it? I know. And this image has clearly been used as an attempt to discredit her. And so all of the focus is now not on Grace's amazing speech at the press club. It's turned the focus to this photo, which is disgusting. Well, I think it's done the complete opposite because I think everyone's like, wow, how low can you go that you're releasing this photo? This doesn't discredit her at all. It just amplifies all the amazing points that she makes. And I loved her clap back at the Liberal government. I mean, the other thing is, in terms of this being a smear campaign, in most smear campaigns, they provide no context to information like this. So they've just posted a photo of Grace Tame next to a bong when they could have opened up a conversation about, well, why is she next to this bong? Does this have to do with the abuse that she was... But I don't think it's actually appropriate for anyone to comment on how survivors of sexual abuse have you know how their trauma plays out i feel like it could have been a great talking point though to look at how should never have been published the thing is that media organizations do need to have a level of ethical reporting and from working in a newsroom of course if this photo was to be sent into you you would have to look at whether there were some newsworthy points to it is this in the public's interest to know what is the reasoning behind this person sending us through the photo? Exactly. The motives but don't of you the think person. exactly? But don't you think some investigative journalism could have been done and found out who sent the photo and what the motive of outing Grace Tame next to a bong was for? Because that's more interesting. It's more interesting to know how this photo fell into the media's hands and who was sending it. Do you know what pisses me off? It always seems to be that if a strong woman speaks out, there's suddenly a smear campaign trying to discredit Mm. them. And this is exactly what has happened with Grace Tame. It just scares young women into having an opinion. It stops them from being bold. It stops them from saying the truth of what is happening. And it's absolutely disgusting. And I do think that the media need to be more ethical in what they're reporting on. And I do think the media need to be more ethical on what they're creating headlines out of. This whole clickbait culture needs to stop. Do they I think people would genuinely be outraged because we've seen in recent times Nadia Bartel was caught with a white powder, but that actually made her gain more followers. They've completely misread the situation, misread the room. It's made people like her even more and relate to her even more. And as she said during her statement, it is so vile to be judging a victim of child sex abuse, of the way that they decide to deal with and cope with that situation. It's appalling. So more importantly, Grace has been putting her energy into an amazing new project. So she has launched a fundraiser to help change the wording of legislation relating to abuse of minors by removing the phrase sexual relationship. So her non-for-profit charity, the Grace Tame Foundation, has set a goal of raising $100,000 and it's already at more than $72,000 as of yesterday. And the money will be used to campaign for consistent wording of laws around child sex abuse across all states and territories. So we will put that in our show notes if anyone does want to donate to that cause. 
Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, could you please make sure that you leave a review and five-star rating? I have anticipated that we might be receiving a few (laughs) trolling comments on there. And, you know, we do put a lot of time and effort into this podcast. So if you are enjoying it, we would love to hear and love to have that support. 